Welcome to this way too late episode of Record Roundtable where we discuss the music that came out recently and this week we're talking about what came out in December even though December is long long ago from now Please Lord hear me now hope you listen it's been centuries this what it seems to me That was the first song off of uh Kid Cudi's new album, Man on the Moon 3. That wasn't the first song on that album. I said the first song we pl- like the first song we played, not oh. the first song off of the album. It's, it, it may, you made it sound like it was the first song on the album. Well, sorry. I'm sorry. That's not what I meant. Anyways, it's uh, Man, Man on the Moon 3. Yes. Chosen One. Kid Cudi's first album in a, in a hot minute. It actually was uh, received fairly well as compared to his uh, more recent albums that people have just kind of poo-pooed on. That song uh, features... Phoebe Bridgers, who we like. We do. We didn't play her part, but she played her part on the song. She sure did. This is Caleb Robinson speaking. I'm here with... Jared. And we are here. Mm-hmm. It's been a minute since you've heard our voices, assuming that you're listening to our voices at all. Yes. Um, should we go ahead and uh, save it for later? What do we say? Like the what's happening? Yeah. With the podcast? Yeah. It's, it's on a brief... Hiatus, I think. Yeah, I, just, we're we're just we're a little. Uh, I don't want to say burnout, but we're holiday breather is what happened. Yeah, that has extended into uh, the first week of January. That is true. Yes, uh, we had kind of a plan of putting things out for you know uh, December to kind of give ourselves a breather, so we're not listening to artists in the same way that we usually do, and uh, we uh, decided to just take kind of a breather. We haven't done that in two years. Uh, true. If you if you've kind of looked at how many episodes we've put out, I think we we're up to well over a hundred now, on the this show in particular, and also Good Band Bad Band has about a hundred episodes as well. So you know we got two hundred podcasts we've released. So I think uh, we have we've earned a breather. And, and if I you're mad at us, two two full uh, uh, cinema episodes. Yeah, two full <laughs> Patreon exclusive cinema episodes, and I think maybe three. Patreon exclusive, just one album. Oh episodes. yeah, that's fair. I forgot about that so, one. But we have now that we're doing this, we did a bonus episode. We never did. We we're supposed to be doing the shags, and we never did the shags. We did never. We never did the shags. That's and what if, killed the podcast. It's the shags. <laughs> I mean, it, that would do it. Um, but yeah, if you're if you're listening to this, we will return uh, in some capacity. We just don't know exactly what it's going to look like when we do come back. It's possible we're not going to be coming back and doing a weekly artist. Because that's a lot. It's been a lot for a long time, but we've wanted to make it work, and I think we have enjoyed it. But I think we're we're that particular methodology might uh, finally be seeing its uh, seeing its demise, but not necessarily, you know, uh, not resurrected in a different way. So we'll still be we'll still be putting stuff out. Uh, again, we just don't know if it'll look exactly the same. So keep an eye on us because we're gonna keep doing stuff. And uh, another artist that you should keep your eye out for uh, is Rico Nasty. And she released an album called Nightmare Vacation in December. On a dark and stormy night, I don't blend in. Bitch, I shine bright. Okay. I heard your favorite rapper, and he sound like all cats, sound like all hype. Okay. But I don't write reviews because it's something y'all do, something y'all type. Okay. They treat my style like a family-sized meal. They just sit around and bite. Okay. I used to live with the bunches. Yeah. Now my neighbors keep yeah. them dumb, Richard. 
So Rico Nasty is, uh, you know, she's definitely gaining in popularity, uh, especially in 2020, I would say. It makes sense that she'd kind of end the year uh, in a similar way to how Megan the Stallion is ending the year with an album. Uh, I, I enjoy Rico Nasty. She's obviously uh, doing her own thing in comparison to what other female hip-hop artists are today. She's a little bit more uh, weird. weird. One might call her perhaps nasty mm. she uh she definitely has like some pop sensibilities like there's songs on nightmare vacation that feel a little more poppy than what her usual stuff is but more often than not she's pretty in your face so jared did you listen to rico's nasty's album? yeah i didn't really i couldn't get into it yeah i could understand i listened that. to i think the whole thing the remix of that song that people like what was it was it iphone yeah, maybe. They had that PP, PP cocaine. No, Smack a Bitch. Yeah, Smack a Bitch. I yeah. like Smack a Bitch. That's a good song. It is. It's just that. Um, but I don't think, I don't, I mean, I guess it's like okay that she has a remix of that song at the end of her album. Like, sure. Um, Savage uh, with Re- Megan Thee Stallion did that, and right. other people do that too. So it's, it's kind of normal. But. Well, the funny thing is, is if you look at it, Smack a Bitch was actually a bonus track. So that means that the end track is the remix, and then you go into the bonus track which is that same song. So maybe an odd way to structure the album, but you would have thought that she would have just put smack a bitch on the album. But I don't know. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't order this album for her, but uh, I, I, I enjoy, I think I enjoy parts of nightmare vacation. I think most parts of nightmare vacation I enjoy, but I think there are also parts of the album that just kind of lost my interest. I didn't necessarily feel always engaged in the album, but there's definitely some songs that, you know, they're gaining traction. Rico Nasty in general is gaining traction because I think she's just a different voice in uh, hip-hop today in comparison to some of her contemporaries, and I think that that makes her worth kind of keeping an eye on, I would say. So uh, so that's Rico Nasty's album. I don't have as many albums as usual, so I'm going to do uh, one more because I know that, Jared, you've probably also giving it a listen. We'll have quite a bit to talk about, and then I'll give you some time to talk about some things, too. Okay. This is going to be probably a little shorter than usual. Maybe. But this one is from, uh, surprise, surprise, Taylor Swift's second album of 2020, Evermore. The song is Tolerated. I sit and watch you beating with your head low. I wake and watch you So like I said, this is the second album that Taylor Swift has released this year. Her other album, Folklore, came out kind of in the middle of the year. And Evermore, it's it's fun to me, The even just the concept of Taylor Swift releasing a second album, uh, a second surprise album in 2020. Because if you think about it, like what she did on Folklore, like she didn't necessarily have to do the way that she did it, but there was an obvious intention behind what she was doing with Folklore. She was collaborating with uh, Jack Ananoff of Bleachers, Justin Vernon of Bonavir, and 
Aaron Desner of the National. And, um, you know, for the first album, it was obviously a big shift for her. Just doing a surprise album was a big shift for her, but also doing a surprise album that was obviously more indie folk with artists that are kind of uh, steeped in the indie and folk realm of music. Uh, it was already an odd decision, but I think a very successful one for her. It's obviously her best album uh, that she's released as a solo artist up to this point, at least from, I think, most perspectives. Um, obviously, those who like her pop music would be a little bit, they might feel differently, but I think that she probably has enough of a fan base of people who will just kind of take what she puts out mm. to a certain degree. Um, but like her, her second album, Evermore, um, the one that came out in December, is because she just really liked making the music. She really liked collaborating with the people she was collaborating with. She enjoyed the music she was making. And I think that like something about that um, really speaks to Taylor Swift. I don't know, like growing up or whatever you want to say. Like she's, you know, she's, she's becoming a different person because not only is she making music that she's enjoying, she wants to be making this music rather than it being a case that she's just making music to, I don't know, make waves or whatever it might be. So yes. like she could have, she could have lived off of the back of folklore for two, three, four years probably. Mm -hmm. And people would still probably keep her in mind. And so releasing a second album that's within the same realm of music um, you know, j just like having in like a group like Heim on your album when you're Taylor Swift is going to help them a lot. You mm -hmm. know, not that they didn't already have some. Yeah, they're traction. not. I mean, they're on a major label and they had a pretty big push for their album. So, right. They, but I mean, Taylor Swift, obviously, yeah, is, she's you know, bigger. Yeah. The other thing that was interesting about this album is it's not it's uh, a lot of the songwriting is fictional. It's, she's making up characters and, and coming up with these stories mm -hmm. and people had accused her of not being a very good songwriter. Right. And she was like, I am a good songwriter and here it is. Yeah. And that's, I think the other reasons why she wanted to make this album that came out uh, in December is that she wanted to continue to expand on her ability to write songs. Right. And she, I assume had an, an enjoyment with it. You know, I mean, it's like a little bit different when you're collaborating with people that are good songwriters. Right. Like, you also don't know how much of a contribution she's making to it. You right. Know, it's hard to know. You never know. Uh, but I think that she, I mean, I've always liked her songwriting. I, I Like, uh, 1989, I really liked that album mm -hmm. and stuff before that, too. Like, Love Story is a good song. I don't think she had. Sure. I mean, that was before she was anybody a good pop ever, writer. ever really knew her. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's not as though, you know, I don't think that she, in, in, a, in her young age, was a particularly poignant writer by any means, but she knew how to write a catchy mm -hmm. pop song. You know, you know, obviously, I'm not going to come out here and say that Shake It Off is well written lyrically, no. but like, you know, there are definitely hey some... Hey, kids, spelling is fun. Nice one. <laughs> <laughs> I think her, her and Gwen Stefani really nailed that market yes. down pretty well, didn't they? Yes. Um, but I don't know, like, I, I agree with you. I think that her songwriting is obviously, you know, much better on these albums. You know, uh, there are definitely songs across this. Marjorie is a, a song where she's writing about, like, um, I, if I remember correctly, it's the passing of her grandmother. Um, there's a song on here, I believe, that that's like a murder song. Is that this album or the other one? That's the problem is I can't Oh, my gosh. Yeah, they well, they're so similar, so it's hard to remember. Um, but I don't think that's on this album but i could be totally off base so 
I don't remember. I like the song Coney Island that has the national. That was my favorite song on the album, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, also a good song for sure. I don't know. I'll have to look. I don't I don't remember. It doesn't matter. But I mean, I, I obviously, you know, I've sung the praises of folklore, you know, quite a bit. Kind of, it was a very, very good album. Not, you know, I don't even want to say it's a good Taylor Swift album. It's a good album. Just a general, general good album. Um, it was it was interesting because when I listened to folklore, like it again, it was you know there was no hype or fanfare. I had not learned heard any of the singles. I had no idea what I was going into, and I just genuinely enjoyed the album upon first listen. I could tell that I liked the album without ha- you know sometimes you get this kind of idea like oh well Taylor Swift released this album people are really liking it it's different so then you listen to it with that kind of intentionality. And I didn't feel like I did that. You know, I knew that I came in and said, there's something different here that I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. And I think that Evermore, the second album, lives up to the hype of the first album that she released in this year. And so for her to have two exceptional Taylor Swift albums and very good albums in general, I think that that is one of the reasons why Taylor Swift really had one of the best years of her career yeah. in 2020. So, so Jer, what are some songs that you enjoyed in uh, December of 2020? Okay, uh, I want you to play, uh, starting out, this is an interesting little thing, play the song Slow Down by Why Don't We Be Friends. That's a pop band, a, a boy band. Oh, is it a boy band? I, I don't know. Why don't we? So, uh, they formed in 2016. They, uh, I'd never heard of them, but they're from California, and uh, that popped up on my songs, and I was like, what a weird. They have no idea who they are. Well, like not only that, but like you know, like when you sample something, I think that that's there's nothing wrong with sampling something. But that was just so thick. Like there was no uniqueness to that sample at all. They didn't change almost anything no. for the vast well, they majority have to of do it. with the production of it. They're no, I know band. that. I don't just, even think they read the songs. Probably no. What I'm saying is, is that like to have a sample so on the nose that like. If you were to say, like, reach out to someone and say, hey, I'd like to sample your song, and they say, sure, that's fine, and then you just play their song, like, that's not sampling. Like, they probably picked that based on the the roller coaster meme. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Wee! Uh, yeah, that was something. There's a song that came out uh, earlier this month, last month, by... Eric Clapton and Van Morrison, which would be good. Uh, except this is a song that is a anti-lockdown, anti-pandemic song. Yeah. Not like, hey, the pandemic's bad, but like, hey. Uh, Let us go outside. It's f- Yeah, it's fake. Yeah. And it's called Stand and Deliver. Let's do that. But if there's nothing you can say, there may be nothing you can do. Do you wanna be a free man? Or do you wanna be a slave? 
do you want to be a slave? Do you want to wear these chains until you're lying in the grave? That's uh, pretty tone deaf, huh? So the last line line of the song, I did not understand. I I looked at the lyrics. Okay. Uh, It's, you know, repeating stand and deliver, but it's Dick Turpin wore a mask too, which I've never heard that in my whole life. But I guess it's a saying that people say. And Dick Turpin was a uh, robber during like the 1800s. Okay. And he... Uh, would steal like horses and and uh, and cattle and things. Uh huh. And so the line, I guess, people say this as like a way to say at least this guy, uh, at least like hit himself. Yeah, this guy took the time if he's going to steal from you to wear a mat. Uh, I see. I guess I almost understand that euphemism in the context of this song, but not really like, and again, like I said, tone deaf because like, you know, obviously I don't have to, you know, scream this one, but like wearing a mask, doesn't make you a freaking slave. Like the only thing I will say though, like this should be like a monumental thing for Van Morrison and Eric Clapton to do a song (sighs) together. I know like two big artists and Clapton, I believe is British. And I did, is Van Morrison British? I feel like he is. He sounds British. I, I don't, don't remember exactly I don't think where he's, he's from, I don't but I don't, from. I don't remember. I don't think that he's... Let's just look. We have the internet in front of us. He's Irish. He is. Yeah, he is Irish. Huh. I don't... I mean... I, I think the thing that I think of is that, like, you know, in rock music in general, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think that music typically is pretty anti-government you know that's that's a pretty common thread in rock music is to be against the government yes but this is obviously a very different type of thing you know like Uh um the various articles that i read that were talking about the song did not praise it they thought they're like this is just bad it's pretty this is just nonsense it's also not good songwriting like no, it's very simple, like a blues kind of styling of writing. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It not, was a song that great. I found that was interesting. Not great. Uh, next, I I'll play. Here I'll here's here's a few a uh, couple covers that I actually there's three covers that are on this playlist that I found this month. All right, cover Let's start covers. with uh, Chris Cornell, who released a posthumous album called "No One Sings Like You Anymore." Mm-hmm. Uh. And it has several pretty good covers on it. It was he actually was working on it pre before uh, dying. Okay, so like it's not like hey, let's just put a bunch of covers together and like make it an album to try and like like he was excited about this. Not not excited enough not to, but excited to release. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh I thought maybe I could get away from not feeling bad about that statement, but it. It got me. It warmed up, and I felt it in my bones. Keep going. But uh, this was my favorite, I think, cover that's on the album. Okay. Get into it a little bit. This is pretty good.
He also covered Nothing Compares to You, uh, The Prince slash, uh, was it Sinead O'Connor, right? Yeah, uh, that's her. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then I didn't really know. Like, there were a lot of things on there that I didn't know. But it makes, like, sense. Some of it's, like, Seattle-based stuff, like bands. And that's, I mean, he came up in grunge. Right. You don't really think of him in the same way you do Pearl Jam and no. that kind of, and, and Nirvana. Right. Because he kind of lasted longer and transcended grunge he did with yes. audio slave which is more heavy metal-y kind of music right and hard uh, rock mm-hmm. yeah but obviously uh, Soundgarden was very much a grunge artist group but even like yeah but like they're they like, weren't even they like, were like pearl jam where yes. they are not like you wouldn't call pearl jam a grunge band now no they're like dad rock almost now. yeah yeah pearl not that jam, that's a bad thing pearl like, jam definitely went dad rock for sure and then they had that album that, that kind of sounded like the Talking Heads, which is fun. Yeah. Uh, here's another cover uh, by a band that we like called Viagra Boys. She don't like her eggs all runny. She thinks crossing her legs is funny. She looks down her nose at money. She gets it on like the Easter Bunny. She's my baby. I'm her honey. She's my baby. I'm never gonna let her go. That's a cover of uh, John Prine, In Spite of Ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, the female counterpart to that song is uh, another. The Viagra Boys are from, where are they from? Somewhere else. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I, I think that they're UK-based, but they might also be like, you know, I don't even know exactly where. Let me look. It is. They're Swedish. Swedish. Okay. They're a post-punk band that we've liked, Caleb and I have liked for a while. They have a song about called... About two years now since sports came sports. out, right? They're kind of like the post-grunge OK Go, where their music videos are like yeah. really interesting, and that's kind of what draws... That's what drew me to them. And I like sports. I didn't love the um, the album. It was OK. There were some OK Street songs. Street Worms. There were some OK songs on Street Worms. For, for context, too, uh, actually, Viagra Boys, as we're recording this, uh, have a new album coming out tonight. Oh, really? Yeah, tonight Viagra Boys' new album comes out. So when ah. this drops in the morning, you can go listen to Viagra Boys' new album. So That's fun. Yeah, yeah it's. Uh, I, I'm excited about this album. I think it'll be good. I don't think that this song is on it, unless it's maybe a bonus track or something. But I, I thought it was a good cover. It was way different than like the original. Oh, I yeah. love the original, but this this was like super weird. Well, the Vi- Viagra Boys vocalist, I cannot remember his name, but he's he's an interesting vocalist, uh, to be sure. He's Sebastian, very- maybe? I don't know. There's like... There's five members. Yeah, um, there's sex heads. So, um, but oh, <laughs> um, he he's got this really like just kind of guttural way of vocalizing things. He just sounds like I don't know. It's it's real interesting. It's a very they're a very very like odd like they're almost gross. Mm. Like the way that they perform music and the way that they like behave is like almost kind of icky, and I like that about them. But it you know we'll talk more about Viagra Boys. Uh, next month probably yes. for the January episode because I'm gonna I'm gonna take a wild swing and say I'm gonna enjoy Viagra Boys's new album. Yes, uh, the last I cover nice. the last cover I want to talk about is by a band I like called Off with Their Heads. They're a punk band from Minneapolis, Minnesota. I've liked them for several years, and they released a cover album um, back in uh, December, but it was just like. Stuff that they had put on like SoundCloud and B sides from other things. Like it's not like a straight like an actual album or whatever. 
But they had some pretty interesting ones. They had a cover of Sorrow by Bad Religion. They had a, a cover of Straight to Hell by The Clash. Like, things that you would expect from them. But there is a interesting cover here. Uh, so play that. hoping you get the scream in there oh does he do it well yeah it did. i thought so like for a punk band that i've never heard scream before right it it was pretty good nice so obviously that was uh deftones yes my own summer uh-huh i like i like the that i liked a few of those covers on there yeah so that was a whole so password is password as a whole it's an album covers. of covers yeah nice were there, so were there other good ones that were notable or is that kind of the i just mentioned two of them i suppose that's true <laughs> I don't always recognize every song, which is good. Like, I don't, it's probably, I mean, I don't always recognize the names of um, songs on cover albums. So I have to like go and look it up and try and find the track list, which it's not always easy with a punk band. Nobody really cares about them, but I feel like I know. Oh yeah. Communist Daughter is a Neutral Milk Hotel song. That makes sense. I saw that. I was like, I know I know that the name of that song, but yeah. So yeah. I uh, uh, name some more things you found, Caleb. I will come back to me. I will do that. Let us let us proceed. So the next one that I will go ahead and play. I'll do, I'll do two, and then we'll come back to you, and then I'll I'll uh, probably finish her out with one last one. So this one, uh, I don't know if you listened to this one, but it, this is the new album from the Avalanches. We will always love you wherever you go. Is the song I'm going to play. step out of our solar system into the universe seeking only peace and friendship to teach if we are called upon to be taught if we are fortunate we know full well that our planet and all its inhabitants So uh, avalanches are not exactly, you know, like the most uh, uh, blaringly loud. They're they're very atmospheric, obviously. If you're unfamiliar with the avalanches, they have made kind of a career uh, in plunderphonics. I've been wanting to talk about plunderphonics on every occasion that I possibly can. So their most popular album is um, Since I Left You from 2000. And that album took them an exceptional amount of time to make because they typically the, the idea of plunderphonics is that you uh, sample and sample and sample. You use a ton of samples and you kind of splice them together to make a whole new different. And not product. just like music, but like sound clips, commercials, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
like Winston Churchill, yeah, uh, uh, speeches, things like that, like things, horse noises, yeah. just like anything that you can like horse grab your noises. hands on. Like it just, well, I, I can think of a song where a horse is making a sound on their their album. So, yeah, yeah it's it, it comes from they take they borrow a lot from like soul music because a lot of their music, a lot of their music has kind of a soul sound to it. Uh, and this album, I'll, I'll, I'll let me get a little farther, I guess, before I get to this album. Uh, so since I left you had thousands of different samples of songs like you like you said other things from movies film you know radio whatever it might be and um it then took them like 16 years to make another album it was a very very long time before the avalanches were able to follow up their 2000 album because they were doing the exact same thing they were still you know using Plunderphonics to make a very, very vast album full of samples. Both of those albums have an exceptional amount of samples in them. And so the reason that We Will Always Love You came out four years later instead of 16 later, years later is because uh, the Avalanches have opted to use far less samples. They're using more of their own sounds. They're making their own organic music. And they uh, are still using different samples. I know there's like a Smokey Robinson sample that's on the album. There is, um, I don't, you know, no, there's not enough things really that just come directly to mind because of that. You know, like I'm not sitting here thinking about, oh yeah, there was a Salty Miller's, you know, thing. Like it was very, very much their own music. And they, instead of using samples to kind of make something different within the album, because really the idea of Plunder Phonics is not necessarily always having the exact same sound per song, uh, is that they used a ton of different um, like vocalists across the album. So this album has um, Blood Orange on it. It has Denzel Curry on it. It has... Uh, Rivers Cuomo on it, which means that Kurt Cobain found his way. Oh wow, that's true. I don't. I hate. I hate that still. I I bring it up because I hate it so much. Oh. Um, but I thought, was, I thought it was real. No, oh. it's not. Um, but yeah. So they use a lot more. Have um, you ever seen them together in a room? <laughs> not lately. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. <laughs> Cornell might be there too. Stop. <laughs> Stop. Oh my. Anyways, um. Kurt Vile is also on there. Kurt Vile, mm -hmm. uh, the so that you know they have a mixture of very very different types of artists across the album. And it makes it still very interesting. It's not you know it, it has the same avalanches ethos of a sound, but it's not necessarily what other people would maybe have been expecting from them. So I think people weren't as excited about this album from them. But I still think that it's a very very fun listen. Uh, it's rooted in a lot of interesting concepts. Uh, it's you know. The way that they describe it is it's kind of just a love letter to music. Mm. It's, it's, I, I didn't talk about it quite yet, but the, the concept of it was when uh, two scientists whose name are slipping my mind, they're very important and I'm stupid, um, they took music and they sent it into space. And so this is kind of like their way of creating an album and saying like, um, you know, this is the kind of music that we would imagine would be in space, I guess. Kind of, kind of inspired by that whole story. I even think that they sample um, a portion of like audio tapes from it at the very beginning of the album, just to kind of indicate like this is what this album is about. It could be somewhere else in the album, but you get the point. So I think Carl Sagan's a part of it. Carl Sagan. It's a, they're like a they're a couple, like a scientific uh, couple. Uh, uh, and Andreon. Okay. Yeah. No, hold on. Yeah, Andreon, and uh, she was in a relationship 
with Carl Sagan. Yeah. So they, they sent she's on the cover. A picture of her's on the cover. That's correct. Yes. So, Thank you for clarifying yes, that detail. So. Very very quickly try to do a bit of research. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I I didn't I didn't uh think too much about the concept at the time. I was more interested in the music, but I do think that the concept is uh telling and interesting as well. So uh the next one that I will talk about, this was kind of a, a late listen. I actually think I Listen to it like right at the very end of the the month, right before the the year ended, because I had a friend who mentioned I'll talk about it. But this is the new album from Billy Woods and More Mother Brass. This song is Rapunzel. <laughs> Black flowers at the tomb, speakers hiss in empty nightclubs, the city hung, tinnitus, flyness on your eardrum, mosquitoes bias, sickle cell have them hesitant to try it, Solomon or Midas, assassins need tyrants, the virus, circling planes with no pilots, no drivers, trains running riot, yellowing ads for new diets, LED displays, Price Waterhouse, come see what we can do for you, watch your step in the slaughterhouse, streets wet. So I don't know if I've talked about Billy Woods within the context of our podcast at this point in time. Never. I didn't think so. I felt like maybe I would have in 2019, but I don't know for sure if I had talked about it then. Uh, it ended up really growing on me more, but Billy Woods' album from 2019, Hiding Places, ended up being my favorite hip-hop album and one of my uh, two favorite albums of the entire year of 2019 i i love 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 hiding places i return to it all the time and i didn't know that billy billy was had released one album terror management at one point in 2020 but it didn't ever really catch my attention for some reason um and right at the end of the year i the year was almost over and uh, my friend robert actually we were talking about like hip-hop that came out this year um because he had asked me about some of the like he was looking for things to listen to and he's like, what are some albums that maybe I would have missed this year? And I, I pushed him in the direction of Griselda because I've talked about that a little bit uh, throughout this year. But he mentioned that this album had come out recently. And I was like, why did I not listen to a new Billy Woods album? Uh, Billy Woods is both a part of the, uh, the group Arm & Hammer and is also a solo artist. He is very um, abstract and experimental type of hip hop. He's definitely like an underground artist. Like he's not... He doesn't have a big name in any way, shape, or form. But I, when I found him, uh, when he did Hiding Places, he, he, he stood out to me in a big way. And uh, More Mother is a poet and female vocalist who, um, who is also pairing off with Billy Woods across this album. They have very different sounds, but she's also kind of in the same realm of experimental um, vocalization throughout it. So I think that they, they kind of fit well together. But Brass ended up being one of my favorite hip-hop albums of the year, and I almost totally missed it. So I'm glad that I listened to it uh, kind of right on the edge before I had missed out. I think it was probably the last 2020 album that I got to listen to yeah, all the way yeah, through. Yeah, it came so, out uh, like the last week before. Yeah. So it was – I mean, I didn't – I know there was only like one other – but I think I had listened to it before. I'll talk about it later. But, um, but yeah, so I really, really enjoyed Brass. If you're a fan of hip-hop, I would say that Billy Woods is somebody that is definitely worth checking out. Uh, and I imagine, unfortunately, most people probably have not. So I have not. Jared, go ahead and tell me some more of your stuff. Okay. So I'm going to, this is my, instead of the country corner this month, oh. we're going to have a little metal corner because I found some interesting metal stuff. If and then know, we're going to finish corner it. corner needs to be metal. Mm. Mm. 
I can't think of like a room or a space that starts with an M. Metal, Metal mansion. Mm, that's that's too much. That's really big. That's too big. We'll work on it. That, that's a lot of sound, though. Yeah, uh, that's true. So first, I'll go with a band called Gone Is Gone, mm-hmm. which features uh, a member of Mastodon, who we like on this show, uh, channel, whatever you want to call it. It's um, What is this man's name? Uh, is it the same one who's in... Uh, Troy Sanders. Troy, yeah, I think Troy yeah, Sanders Troy. is in it as well. Um, and the, then, the guy who's in uh, Killer Be Killed. Yes. And then uh, the drummer of At The Drive-In. And then uh, tr- uh, Mike Zarin of Queens of the Stone Age. Mm-hmm. Or no, wait, Troy Van Leeuwen? I don't know. There's Someone from Queens of the Stone Age. Queens of the Stone Age is represented. Mastodon is represented. And At The Drive-In is represented. Yeah. And uh, I like this album. It wasn't as good as the Killer Be Killed album, but this is like more uh, tame stoner rock. And okay. it's like very like atmospheric. It feels like a, kind of a movie soundtrack almost. Okay. So uh, this is a song called No One Ever Walked on Water. Not really. That was Troy Sanders on uh, vocals, right? Yes. It sounds different. Yeah. It's, de- it's definitely different than his usual like vocal inflection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's their uh, second album. Their first album came out in 2016. Uh, actually, no, it's their third album. Um, the first album came out in 2016, self-titled, and then Echolation came out in 17, and then this album, If Everything Happens for a Reason, Then Nothing Really Matters at All. That's what it's called. Very uh, wordy. Indeed. Uh, the next song is uh, by a band that I've uh, recently started getting into called Spirit Box. Uh, the song is called Constance. It's not, this song is not really metal at all, but it, it's uh, a good song. Why is it in the metal corner? Because the band is metal. I like that song. I like very evanescent. Uh, I like them. Um, their big song is called "Holy Roller." It's, it blew up um, pretty big on uh, like YouTube and stuff. And uh, I think they're gonna be uh, like the next big. I think they're gonna. Ooh. I don't. I don't think they're gonna be like Jared's big prediction for twenty twenty one. I think this album. Will, Box I do blow up. I think this uh, their album that comes out this year yeah. will be like on par with uh, the a blow up of like Code Orange. Okay, that's what I th- I think. I don't. I mean, I mean, I'd be cool with that. She, I don't. Think, I don't think they're a, interesting. It's a super interesting story too. So she was in a band that Caleb liked growing up called I Wrestled a Bear Once. Mm-hmm. She took over as the vocalist from the original vocalist and then uh, married one of the members of the band. And then it 
that that band ended, I wrestled a bear once ended, and then they immediately started Spirit Box. It's her, her husband, and then a drummer, and then uh, or maybe a bassist. There's only three members, right? And then they have started making music since then, and uh, she's just like her voice has progressed quite a bit since that time, and like songwriting, and it's just going to be a pretty pretty good. I wasn't like super into uh the song holy roller like i everybody was like holy roller so great and i listened to it i'm like it's okay but i don't yeah but i wanted to follow them to see what the next things would be and i just like got on this uh like um spiral of listening to every new song that they had right i it's interesting too because like i had talked about this recently when uh, bring me the horizon released a, a new project it's interesting to see how um the I guess I I don't I hate calling it anything really the metalcore post hard mm-hmm. post hardcore whatever the movement was in like the the late two thousands to early two thousand tens that's now starting to become kind of cool almost mainstream but not quite but like Bream of the Horizon has made those kind of steps uh, Beartooth which had a member of Attack Attack which we're gonna talk about I'm assuming in a minute yeah I'm, yep I don't love this song but I do think it's worth talking about okay. Uh, uh, before we trans- so you know, Beartooth became big enough that they were touring in you know big stadiums. Well, see the and- thing about Bring Me the Horizon though, and the same thing with Inter Shikari, mm-hmm. is that they're UK ba- based bands that are so much bigger there than they are here. Much like whatever success that they have, like Bring Me the Horizon were pretty big last year. Like their yes. album was very big. Yes. they worked with Youngblood, who's pretty big, um, and. Uh, like the Machine Gun Kelly stuff is kind of there. It didn't work yeah. with him, but there's like a weird circle going on Correct. in that genre. What a strange collection of people. But Youngblood, like, this like weird twenty year old UK ha- guy. However making, big yeah. that Bring Me the Horizon is here, which they are pretty big. They're mm-hmm. like t- times like ten in the UK. True. They sell out like Wembley and all like these arenas that yeah. they could never. I don't want to say never, but. Like they're not going to sell at Madison Square Garden no. in the U.S., but like, and they certainly wouldn't have in 2010, no, or 2012. You no, know, but like, they ch- had to change their sound because right. of his voice and because it wasn't like going to sell as no. much as, I mean, like Slayer. But it's odd that it worked. That's yeah. what I mean. Is yes. that like this tr- this weird transition into those artists who were making music that were uh, compelling to a young audience in 2010, those people are now adults mm-hmm. and can enjoy more adult-type music. And these artists who were probably in their early 20s, maybe you know mid-20s when they were making that music, they're now in their 30s and beyond, and they're making, I, I guess, less... I don't want to say that, like, you know... I hate to say that like pop punk is like, you know, like a childish ish uh-huh. kind of genre. Uh-huh. But like, if you look at like in a day to remember, you know, they're kind of a fun, you know, party esque kind of sound, but they're adults. They can't really mm-hmm. keep doing that when they're in their thirties unless they're in blink One Eighty Two. Yeah. So, you know, at some point you have to have a spirit box where an artist from, and I wrestled the bear once, which is not going to appeal to anybody for the most part where they're just like shrill screams and all that. I like it, but not the point. But now they're making music that people could latch on to now in 2020, 2021. So, Tack Attack. Yeah, Tack Attack. The song's called All My Life. They've been teasing a return. Everybody was trying to figure out who was uh, going to be the lo- vocalist and such. It's not any of the originals. Would you blind it in my eyes? 
this town for way too long Well I thought we were friends but you proved me wrong You got in my head with the things that you said And you left me a mess now to top it all This one of us here without virtue Look in the mirror, I don't want to You're keeping me down for your debut But your reign is through I love that anybody like you know I don't know that they're really you know listening to our show or anything yes. but like you know real metalheads man like you're like yeah we're gonna do a metal a metal thing well let's do it. and then you do spirit box which is like this kind of melodic sound and then attack attack okay. which is this electronic listen. sound I'm not saying listen. that you're wrong they're yes. all metal adjacent yes. I just think that some people would be like what do you mean you call that metal. Mm. Wow. They stink. If you're here oh and you're thinking to yourself, man, that sure wasn't metal. You stink. Mm-hmm. Go on. I don't know. The, the disappointment of that song was that the drop was disappointing. And like whatever buildup that they had, it they, they're they known for uh, what's called uh, crab core. Yep. And uh, it wasn't that, which like, why would they do that? That was just like an old thing that people don't really care about anymore. But even this is like very tame, uh, day to remember esque, um, whatever it is. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. We're still waiting for um, uh, Sonny Moore uh, right. to release their. What is that band called? Uh, Relix's band. It's, uh, uh, oh my gosh. Uh, oh no, I can't remember. From first to last? From first to last. Yeah, yeah I got it. it. Okay. Yeah, that's my, it. my little emo boy finally found his way back out. Yes. Put him away. Ah. are a Spotify picture. From first to last Spotify picture, if you go to them, <laughs> their background, it's Skeletor. Skeletor? <laughs> yeah, for no reason. It's just Skeletor. I like that. That's pretty fun. <laughs> um. Yeah. So... Yeah, that's the... So that's, is Allie and AJ a part of the metal? No, but this is great. Please. Did you hear about this? Did no, I didn't. So this is a 2020 uh, version of their popular song, Potential Breakup Song, and it's a not suitable for work version. They've they've put some bad words in it. So no, it Allie and AJ? Yeah, it's pretty good. Are they being nasty? No, they're not being nasty. Just play the song. Okay. Jeez. I like that. That was a pretty good pop song. Yeah, really. I agree. I'd never been into them. I never even listened to them like growing up. Like they're right. not. They were too far past like Hillary Dove. That's what I was gonna say. And uh, Alvaro Levine and stuff. Uh, and then they never were as big as like Taylor Swift right. or Adele or whatever like pop people that are big. Um, but I don't know. That was pretty good. Yeah. If they made more music, they're sisters, so it's like if they broke up. It's like they yeah. can probably get back together and still make music, and it would like they see each other every Christmas, I assume. Right. Like the same it's thing with just, the Jonas Brothers. It's like, just like this podcast. Even uh, if we break up the podcast, every once in a while, the boys will still get back together because they're downstairs doing their thing. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Do I want to say more songs, or do you want to go? Next? I only have one more. Okay. So I guess we only, actually I have technically have two more, but it's because okay. of something else. But yeah, we should talk about the Grinch song. Okay, that's fine. So this is uh, by a uh, rapper, a YouTube rapper uh, named Dax, which rip bad name there. Uh, yeah, we really don't. I mean, you know, I like the song. I just kind of hate the name. Uh, we should change it. But he's, he's a rapper named Dax, and he he releases YouTube songs, kind of like uh, what if what if Dapson? What if Dax, the uh, artist, yes, suddenly out of nowhere in a year or two, just changed his name to Cody? Mm-hmm. I would shit my pants. That would be something. Go on. I would agree. Hopson makes could sense. Ch- he could change his name to Rich Dax, like Rich Brian did. <laughs> there you go, <laughs> Rich Dax. <laughs> uh, but he uh, released a Christmas song called Grinch. I showed Kale the music video. I hadn't seen it yet. I just saw that it was kind of blowing up, and so I waited because I wanted to watch it. And I was like, I'll watch it with Caleb because we'll be able to react together. It's and it was great. Thing. It was it's like the song is good. It's interesting, but like he is wearing full Grinch makeup. And like just going ape throughout it's the great. music video, it's pretty great. I gotta agree. I I wanted to make sure you talked about it because the Grinch, uh, just the video alone. I, you know, I don't urge listeners to to take an extracurricular step, mm. but after you hear this song, I urge you to go watch the video. Yeah. It is first watch co- the Viagra Boys video and then watch. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Watch Dax. This is Grinch. We'll start making you watch videos. Uh, we'll just full movies next. You actually, yeah, you have to watch the Jim Carrey version of the Grinch, <laughs> then go watch the music video so you have the context uh, just get to where it. the costume came from. First off, fuck Santa Claus. He ain't never done shit for a nigga like me. People been hating on me since I was like three just because I was different and my skin was like green. Hating and spreading rumors all over IG. I see them coming for everything that I be. Trolling hard and making fun of my teeth, my skin, my hair, and the fucking way that I speak. Was the night before Christmas all through the house. I sat in my room alone with no spouse. Scrolling my phone, comparing myself to people who don't put no food in my mouth. Looking around, jerking off the Bella Thorns, only fans account while scheming the system and faking depression so I can get riches to double my clout. I'm tired of Christmas. I don't want a present. Can't wait for the future. I'm done with the past. I'm fucking up Santa on sight. If I see him, I'm punching his belly and kicking his ass. Rudolph can get it. That red on his nose again. Put on his- Man, I forgot that that was fun. Yeah. I forgot how fun that song well, the, is. Well, like, we watched it, and so, like, when there's a lot going on, so you don't get all of, like, the um, lyrics and stuff. Right. By that. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's... I like... It's worth coming back to, really. I like um, that kind of rap where it's, like... Uh, punchline rap like Lil Wayne was really is really good at punchline rap I like waiting for his mm-hmm. like bits yeah Eminem's kind of like that too but I know you know you don't like Eminem but he does have some funny stuff sure and some interesting lyrical content he knows how to uh use wordplay really it's just wordplay is yeah. what it comes yes. down to is knowing how to because like you know rhyming is fun I guess but like being able to um have kind of a quip inside of the rhyme and be able to say something lyrically and interesting at the same time as doing something that flows well that that's when hip-hop kind of uh takes a step forward i guess you if you will so like eminem is so uh i don't want to get too far but he did have a uh a surprise release this month with music to be murdered by Side B. That was the album I was going to okay. talk about. Okay, okay, I, I, we'll I, get into I, it. We might as well go ahead and do it now. We're already okay. here, so yeah. So, so what ahead. I I want to what I want to say about it is that his influence is so great that 
there are like uh, articles that are just written about specific lines yeah. in that album. Right. And it's like a B-side album, which, I mean, it's a full new album. But um, like just, okay, so he said this about this thing. And here's a mm-hmm. whole article like on Double XL right. talking about one line in the song. Like he did Snoop Dogg. Now there's this giant thing about him and Snoop Dogg. Right. And he apologized for the lyric about Rihanna. Yeah. And so like it, the, uh, the Machine Gun Kelly thing and then Machine Gun Kelly responds. It's like he's, you know, it's weird because Eminem says, okay, I'm over the Machine Gun Kelly thing. Right. And then he comes out with another thing about Machine Gun Kelly and Machine right. Gun Kelly's like, I, okay. I'm done talking about this. It's been like three years. Like, but, let it die, like, dude. You're just instigating him making another song, and then it's going to be this big thing again, right. and nobody really cares anymore. Well, Eminem has just, like, a um, a propensity to never shut his mouth. Yes. Like, he, one of his whole bits is just calling people out yeah. and looking for a fight is really what it comes down to. Eminem is just – he's kind of like – he sees himself as the old guard, mm-hmm. and he wants to make sure that he throws punches yeah. at as many people as he possibly can. Yes, and so when he releases an album, expect him to punch at somebody and eventually expect somebody to have to respond. You don't let him just – like if Eminem is just wildly punching everyone around him, eventually someone's be like, someone needs to push him over. Like I don't think that he – like like there's no way he doesn't understand that if he mentions somebody in a song, it's not like a big deal. Right. So like when you throw somebody under the bus or like try and cause an issue with somebody – like he does, mm-hmm. he has to understand that like it does influence. mean something. Yeah, like he he knows he's big. There's he no like way he just, does. That's the whole. It's like part of his whole gimmick is talking about how important he there's is. There's a like a a Billie Eilish lyric in there, and it's like he has to know that that is going to be like something talked about. It's like why are you even bothering this kid? You know, because like, that's what he. I mean, that's the thing is that when he says a line about Billie Eilish, and then he gets the whole article about him saying a line about Billie Eilish. That's what he's doing. He's, I mean, that's the, one of the things that I dislike about him is what it comes down to is that he's looking for heat. He likes that he's getting heat. You know, he's, I hate to, to mention him, his name again, but Tom McDonald, they're, they're cut from the same cloth in a way of Eminem, he revels in being hated. That's mm-hmm. part of his whole career yep. is saying things that tick people off and then he gets to get more famous because of the fact that they're angry at what he's doing. And that's just part of the Eminem gimmick, you know? So, he's, of course, he's going to call it a Billie Eilish. You know, that's... Uh, he wasn't... He, so he's, It's going to make... It's going to make just it a horrible. reference. Right. Uh, in the song Alfred's Theme, Eminem rapped, but really, I'm just fulfilling my wish of killing rhymes, wish, which is really childish and silly, but I'm really like this. I'm giving nightmares to Billie Eilish, which, you know, it's a fine little rhyme there. Sure. But... Um, like there's a there's two articles that were written just about that line. That's right. I mean that's the point. That's what he does. Um, but yeah, back to back to the actual album. So you know, I think that one of the biggest issues for me with Eminem, like I do think that what he's doing right now is, dare I say, better than the last two albums he did. You know, it's hard not to do better than Kamikaze and Recovery. Um, so I think Music to Be Burned by is a step up, and I think that Side B is a completely different album you know I, it's mm-hmm. not it was recorded later yeah so it's not really a side b it's yeah. an odd way of marketing the album to be quite he honest a, with you. the song nat where he brings up machine gun kelly yeah he's that is about, actually the he's the talking about the uh, uh the coronavirus and All various the things 
All it's interesting. He like it's weird. Like I think this is going to be the album from Eminem that's going to be easily the most dated within a couple of years. Yeah. Where like he, there are so many songs where he feels like he needs to talk. There's about There's a the lot of dated stuff though. Was it a curtain call mm-hmm. where the music video is him like making fun of Michael Jackson and yeah. there's like so many like lines and in, in that where it's like this is not really fun anymore and it wasn't really he's fun the, he's then, the south but... park of music that's like fair. you can't really go back <laughs> you can't go back on an old episode of south park often because they feel like they need to call into you know the current events and the you know the the popular trends family of that guys moment. that way a little bit too but not south not park is much. the prime prime mm-hmm. example Eminem is definitely the south park of music but yeah um but i will say i'll, I'll go ahead and play nat i actually think nat is a one of his better songs yeah. really it is very obviously heavily about coronavirus and if it was a case he had a coronavirus song i think it would be a better album but he comes back to it on a couple of occasions so it kind of diminishes the impact of this one song but I still think it's, it's still worth playing. So this is Nat Eminem. They say these bars are like COVID. You get them right off the bat. Tracked it with SARS and Corona. Like you took a flight off of that. Then it goes from Martian to human. That's how the virus attacks. They come at me with machine guns. Like trying to fight off a gnat. Still stacking my chips hoes. Higher than Shaq on his tiptoes. Top the Empire State Building. This shit is like child's play children. I will annihilate, kill them. I fuck around and pile. Eight million dead little juveniles. Wait, children. I'll await my trial. They tilt in Ain't nothing you say could ever trump nah. Mike Pence will get killed yeah. If you're hypersensitive I wasn't referencing the vice president Chill yeah. I mean my penmanship at times Tends to get ill Violence but with skill That's why I hints when I write ends up with the mic and pencil Getting killed <laughs> Yeah I, I think that the thing that makes that song better Is that he's Like He's actually trying to say something In mm-hmm. some kind of way And usually his songs don't do that but the problem really for music to be murdered by, for me, both side A and side B is just inconsistency. There's some cool moments. There's some okay moments. But more often than not, I'm I'm snoring. It's just not that interesting. Or he's just being intentionally divisive. And I'm, or I'm just like, like I'm not going to feed into his, like, the drama he wants to create, I mm-hmm. guess, is the way that I put it. So. I don't, I don't think I listened to the whole thing because when they put it out on Spotify – it was like both albums just put together, and it was hard for me to tell which uh, was the new song and yeah. which was an old song. Yeah, I don't know if maybe they fixed that. They should have just they did. He, sh- he should have just put it out as side B, right? Like only those songs. He, he could have even just called it "Music to Be Murdered by Two. Yeah, that would have made way more sense because side B obviously. Well, it wasn't it's called the... side A, so right. The first one. Well, if Star it... Wars wasn't called Star Wars Episode Four. Oh my! It wasn't. It wasn't. You know, it wasn't called New Hope either. I know. It was just called Star Wars because they didn't know they were going to do more. Not the point. Not here. Did anyway. you know? Did you know that the f- <laughs> Go ahead. The f- the first person that played the Emperor was a woman? I did. We talked about that. I want to tell the viewers this, the listeners. Do it. Go back and find the clips. The first person that played uh, the Emperor was it was the, the silhouette of a female and then a voiceover of a man. And it's so weird to look at now, and I'm glad they changed it. I don't like them changing things in Star Wars. But that specific thing. That specific thing was super weird. Yeah, that's fair. This is the last song I'm going to play. And before I... Actually, no, I'll, I'll do it afterwards. Okay. It's fine. Uh, this is a artist by the name of Ichiko Aoba. And this album is Windswept Aiden. The song is Dawn in the Aiden.
what you're thinking. First thing that comes to your mind, of course, this is not an English surprise. This is a Japanese artist. Um, Ichiko Aoba is a Japanese singer-songwriter, um, and it's very folk-based, and a lot of the music that Aoba would make initially was a little bit more um, traditional folk type of music, but Windswept Aiden is like a very big kind of atmospheric type uh, uh, swirling big old folk mess of music. It's really, really pleasant. I enjoy it quite a bit, and I think it was one of the best albums that I've heard uh, this year that is outside of the the Western norm of music. You know, it has a lot of um, traditional sounds within it, and also, obviously, it's not sung in English. So I think that people have a tendency to kind of um, not be as interested in that type of music because maybe they don't feel it as relatable, but I think Windswept Aiden is the type of album where even if you don't understand the words, you can feel the music. I think that it does a very good job of translating the emotions that are being felt throughout the album into the sounds that are being produced throughout the songs. I enjoy it quite a bit. I, uh, Ichiki Ioba I have not listened to before, but I've heard a lot of uh, good things about Ioba, and I will probably be paying more attention to her in the future. So that is the last album that I would like to praise okay for 2020 wow 2020 wow 2020 wow uh so before oh and also i will say before i finish my thought on ichiki ioba i'm actually i wrote an article for the website i would go look at some of the articles on our website if you want other things that we're doing to keep ourselves busy while we're not recording at the same height that we were previously but i'm going to release an album or an article uh, about some of the the non-traditional, non-Western albums that came out over the last uh, year. Some of the albums that maybe you wouldn't have thought to, to check out because of the fact that maybe they're not from America, UK, so on and so forth. So, so yeah, uh, before we close out, I don't know when you will hear us again. Could be, could it be. It will be sometime. It will be sometime. We're not done. Even even if, again, it, it sounds different than what our, our typical uh, processes, you know, we're, this is uh, still going to be an active podcast. It just might don't not be. unsub. Yeah, don't unsub. Don't forget. Don't you forget about me? Shmi, 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 shmi. Hopefully, you see, we're fun. Listen to us still. Don't oh, leave no. us. Okay. okay. Anyways, so uh, the last thing I'll bring up, uh, and then we can close the show with it. Sounds good. Uh, somebody we like, Sturgill Simpson who uh, is a country guy that also uh, has his own anime on Netflix. <laughs> what? And so he there's an anime based on uh, f- the uh, Sound and Fury album that came out. Oh. And he made the sound. The music of that is uh-huh. behind a, an anime that's on Netflix. We okay. talked about that on the uh, at the thing. I may have forgot about thing. that. But it's, it's hard to keep up with all the things that are inside he's released my brain anymore. two... Uh, is blue Moody, grass. Is Moody Blues in that one? No. Moody Blues. Stop that. <laughs> He's released two uh, albums this year called Cut and Grass that are bluegrass-based albums covering his songs and with a traditional bluegrass sound. He brings in people that play good bluegrass. And uh, this is a version of, of a song that I really like by him called uh, Welcome to Earth, uh, in parentheses, Polywog, about... Uh, his child, a uh, with arms wide open esque song. Oh, under the sunlight! Uh, isn't that isn't that about a welcome song? to yeah, this place? So, uh, yeah, this is uh, from Cutting Grass Part Two. 
And it's the end of the show. So goodbye. <laughs> Jared says goodbye. Thank you for listening to this edition of Record Roundtable. I'm not even going to call it bonus. Weird to call it bonus. It's just an episode at this point. We, we're not going to call it bonus anymore. If you don't hear from us for a couple weeks, expect to at least hear from us for a January episode. Cool January music is going to come out. We're going to be talking about it. We're going to be cutting that grass with Sturgill Simpson in 2021. Be there! <laughs>